the optimal life. Because it like gets my day going. I was going to say, you're yeah. looking good, man. Yeah, I know. I've, yeah, I've tried to... Uh... You're looking good. Well, listen, we're on live now, so... Oh, we are. Um, this is ridiculous. So we can finally drink. This is absolutely insane. Which, what? Is this is, nobody's ever brought me a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. Really? I've gotten some gifts on this thing, but never to this magnitude. Come on. That's a... Really? I'll let you do the honors. Here. You want to open that up? It's beautiful. Johnny Walker Blue, man. One of my favorites. That thing is not cheap. Well, you remember when we saw each other last, I said, do you like scotch? Remember? <laughs> you did. I, I didn't know what you were talking about, apparently, when you said scotch. The plan... I, was thinking, I was thinking Cuddy Sark. Oh, <laughs> the plan was in the works the whole time. Yeah. And that's just an excuse Yeah, for me to have some, too. How's life, man? You doing well? Yeah, life is life. You know, I mean, exciting things. It's nice to be uh, home with the family for a little while. Right. Uh, it's nice to... Uh, do a little less poker and a little more uh, computer programming stuff. Right, no doubt about it. I feel like more of like a, a human being, probably. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're just getting situated. Okay. All right, so we're about to crack open this. Uh, it's cracked. Let's let it rip, baby. Done, been cracked. Let's let it rip. So, are you still living in Vegas full time? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. I spend about nine or ten months out of the year there. Uh, we're pouring a little Johnny Blue, baby. Cheers, my friend. Hey, we cheers. Go back, we go back a, a long way. This is great. It's, it's good to see you and good to talk to you. Feelings 100% mutual. and um, Man, it is smooth. It's as good as it gets. There's yeah. nothing better. There's really nothing better. There really isn't. Um, you and I go back to... Uh, so basically day one, I think. I mean, our parents were friends before I remember memories. Oh, yeah. About, yeah. I could, yeah. We've known each other so long, I can't remember not knowing you. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We used to hang out. We used to do sleepovers. Yeah. Who would have thought when we were young kids, life is just so ironic. Who would have thought that we'd be sitting here one day reconnecting after, because it's been many years. I mean, we've seen each other, but we haven't really spent any significant time. Mm-hmm reconnecting all these years later uh, look when we were kids if we were to have said hey one day we're gonna lose touch and then you know things will be and and god and the universe will put their things into place where you guys are gonna be sitting and doing a podcast for everyone to listen to it's crazy how and especially when you move away and come back how much you appreciate what was there in the beginning you know old friends family those it's, things it's are... amazing how much you appreciate different things now as you get old. Once you have a child, I well, tell everybody, dude, once you have that first kid, your life changes in so many ways, so many unexpected and really hard to articulate ways, right? Yeah, yes. Well, a lot of it is caring and being tired. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, it ways where you couldn't explain it to somebody, you, where you finally understand what it means, like you have to do it for yourself and then you'll see. Exactly. You know? It's amazing how it changes the way, at least for me in my experience, the way we think, the way we feel, the way we act, everything. I mean, even in my quiet times, my life has changed just because of the tremendous responsibility that comes with having another human being that relies on you. So in those times of quiet, doing nothing, dude, your brain is, is it, it like rewires in some fashion. In a way that you feel like... You're more anxious or you're you should be doing something else. 
Um, in a way, for me, yes. For me, it's a, in a way of being definitely more anxious, uh, more angst. Um, part of that is, too, because I don't always have the kids, mm-hmm. which you and I can both relate to at this point. Right. So when, when you don't have them and you don't get to see in them and, and, and have them within your domain, mm-hmm. it's just like, what, what are they doing right now? Well, that's, I, always, I always wondered why my mother would stay up late until I got home every single time. Where are you? Did you get home yet? Call me when you get home. Call me when you get there. I'm like, well, of course, I'm going to make it there. What do you think? Right. You know, then you finally, you kind of get it. And then you go goes full circle and go, oh, mom, I remember. Now I understand. Right. Yeah. Now I understand why you were this way. That's. Yeah. It's it's incredible, man. It's amazing how, how kids change you. Um, how you doing? I, I know that you've gone through your own legal battles and, and, and separation. Are you guys divorced? Uh, we're separated. We lived together for, I mean, we were together for over seven years. So I, it, it seems like a divorce, but it's not technically a divorce. So you never got married? Never got married. Gotcha. But you were living essentially a married life. You guys were living in the same unit, had a child together. Yeah. To me, that, that checks the two boxes. Hey, are you? What's the difference between that and marriage? A certificate? Yeah, I would say having a child and raising a child with somebody is more marriage than marriage. One hundred percent. It's when people say I'm married, I say you're not married yet. Wait till you have a kid. You got to have a kid to be yeah. officially married. Yeah. yeah, it's really wild. It's amazing. Yeah. So, so you're you're still living in Vegas, but you're taking you're kind of going back and forth now. What's your? Well, I like to get out of Vegas as much as possible. Um, I loved it when I first moved there in like. 2010 2011 but in terms of raising kids and it, you know everybody can even people who don't live there probably kind of understand that i mean uh, on our drive to school you see 10 billboards for strip clubs I mean, it's just it's yeah. you, it's not a place for kids it's not a place for no kids. it's not it's not kid friendly I, where do you where do most people live henderson where are the areas that people like to raise families there so that's a, that's a good question there are two the two suburbs that everybody always mentions are Henderson and Summerlin. And uh, to remember them, Henderson is on the southeast side of town, and Summerlin is on the northwest side of town. And then you've got some places, there's a lot of Las Vegas proper, and then there is uh, North Las Vegas, which is, don't go there. <laughs> and uh, and a lot of it is Las Vegas, too. I live in west uh, Las Vegas uh, in uh, off a golf course. I had to get near some green grass. You gotta make it feel somewhat like your your childhood. Yeah, <laughs> you get, yeah. You gotta get to a backyard where we used to do play in the backyard, play baseball. You right, know, right. Get on the playgrounds. Um. Well, I gotta tell you your story. I've been really looking forward to bringing you on. I've talked to your mom about this for like the last year. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta get dug on. You gotta get dug on. I was like, I'd I'd love to have him on. Just tell me when. He um, guilted you into it. She did. Yeah. But uh, but no, this is. This is fascinating stuff. You looking at your your past twenty years of your life essentially, and boy, dude, do you have? You're right. You, you could write a book. I've I've been trying. People tell me it's uh, it's not something you want to start because you'll never finish. Mm. But yeah, and it never seemed like that while I was doing it. I was like, yeah, I toured around the country in a rock band for a while. Then I played music for a living. Then I played poker for a living. Then I went broke. Then I did. The, you know, I'm just like. Isn't that what like what everybody does? Isn't that life? <laughs> yeah, I thought that's what. what well, we you do. know what, man? I've come to realize because I've talked to so many people throughout this process of doing the podcast, going on six years, and I've talked to some of the most extraordinary people, and they think that they're just normal, average people. Yeah, I think when you're in it yourself, 
you just say this is just the way it, it's normal. Yeah. I when you see someone from the outside doing it, you're like, holy shit, man. What is what is this life? I think that about everything. I think uh, people who raise more. So I have one kid. People who raise more than one kid, I'm like, wow, that's it. Like, that's so amazing. That's so impressive. You know, mm. I think, yeah, it's what's foreign is kind of interesting and cool and what i do every day is just what i do every day right you know, it's amazing yeah. but you can't you should listen to the episode i did an episode with a guy named chandler bolt you mm-hmm. can search it on the website or back in the podcast app how to write a book the guy yeah. consults people on how to write a book we did a whole 30 some odd minute episode he takes you step by step through it so if you are serious about it you should listen to somebody like that or go to one of those agencies they'll get you once you start you will finish yeah, with those guys. So. I'm, I'll check that out for sure. Yeah, because I think a lot good. of people have ideas like that. They don't know how to get started. Exactly. You know? And I asked them, "Hey, step by step." And then you can you can you know sign up with those guys if they if you're really serious about it. But the the podcast at least gives you a, a baseline of what to do and how to do it. So, mm-hmm. um, anyways, let's get into some of your stuff. Uh, I really want to get to the poker, but let's kind of before we get to the poker, which has been really a, a massive part of your life for the last couple decades. Mm-hmm. Um. You first, uh, you first went out to LA in '02, and you were pursuing music. Yeah, and it didn't take long until you started finding this fun game called poker. So, talk to us. What what happened with the music shifting over to the cards? So, when I was in my late teens, so I'm born in '82, so I was a, about 20 years old. From 18 to 20, we were touring the East Coast. And uh, again, everybody thought that was like the coolest thing. Like, what do you mean you just go out and you play at at clubs and then you sleep over the fans' houses and stuff like that? I was like, yeah, what what else do people do? So while that was going on, we had the bright idea, uh, the drummer and I wanted to kind of take it to the next level. So we decided we're going to move to L.A. We live in a uh, a, a one-bedroom apartment with five people. So we're all on air mattresses on the ground and stuff. And the point is, so once I finally get out there, I never envision doing anything but music. I'm like, yeah, I'll go out there. I'll play music and I'll get signed to a record deal in what, a week or two, you know, and then it'll be fine. But I needed to make money. You know, my dad gave me a couple thousand dollars. He said, you know, you got to go get a job and support yourself eventually while you're out there. So about... Two months into that, I find a place called Commerce Casino. Now, that, that name might be familiar to you or, or maybe mm-hmm. not, but uh, biggest poker room in the world at that point, uh, and that's in L.A., and I think it had just made headlines because Ben Affleck won the California State Championship there or something like that. Um, and... I didn't take it that seriously as a source of income until I just went to play for fun one day, played for six or seven hours, came home with 700 bucks. I thought, wait a second. You know, I go back the next day, win $800, and mm. go back the next day, win $1,000. I'm like, this this is a, a realistic source of income for me. Well, so so the first three days that you ever played out there in California, you won like seven, eight, a thousand. It was back-to-back-to-back wins for you. Yes. That was your first experience. Yes. I'm guessing that's everybody's otherwise, because if you lose, you quit. I was going to say, I mean, that's a dangerous start, because on one hand, it's great you just did it. On the other hand, here you go. Right, right. Uh, And 
that set me up for that kind of expectation. I, I thought I found an ATM machine. And you're you know? how old at this point? Late teen? I 20? was 21. I may 21. have been a little younger than 21 yeah. when I first started. So 20 years old, give or take. Yeah, yeah. And th- that's a million dollars. That's you insane. Know? Yeah, you, 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 you already made in three days what your dad gave you to go out to L.A. Right. Basically. Right, right. You know? And I'm thinking, I'm, well, I'm, I'm doing the math like, okay, if I make $1,000 a day for the rest of my life, and, it, you know, obviously. This is easy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I didn't even do any studying or work on it. And what I found out uh, much later was that I was not really playing that well. I was playing okay. People were really not that good at poker at the time. So I was a little bit ahead of the curve. But as people started to kind of catch up to the learning curve, uh, my results uh uh, got worse pretty pretty quickly. Now this was during the time where World Series of Poker was really crushing it on the scene all of a sudden, right? With the Chris Moneymaker, right? It was this era, right around this time. It was right, yeah, right around then. Yeah, yeah money. It was the Moneymaker boom, basically. Moneymaker boom, the World Series of Poker, all the hype around it, right? And you're like, dude, I'm in. Sign me up. Yeah, I will. And I thought, I don't know, I was good at math, right? I figured I can reason this out and. These people don't seem that smart, and maybe some of that was true, but... Uh, so you ended up just pivoting off of the music altogether at that point? Well, yeah, and that's kind of the bad thing, too. And then I started thinking, okay, once I make $50,000, i will just i will focus on the music full-time. Okay, once I make $100,000, i will focus on the music full-time. And that just never happens, because the way that poker players tend to start thinking is... So if you work a day job which I tend to think is a pretty cool thing, actually. Uh, You can only work during the day, for the most part. Now, if you're a poker player, every time you go to bed, you're wasting like $200 an hour, every single time. You know, so every time I sleep, I'm thinking like, oh my God, I could have made $1,000 during this time. I could have made $1,600, you know? Mm. So the music got just like totally backburnered. I remember there were some gigs I got hired for to be like a backup musician uh, for a solo artist and I just didn't even bother uh, getting the check. What was the pay? It was $4,000 a month. It was okay. yeah, it was like a retainer and Which isn't terribly I mean that's decent at that I mean you're in LA so it's you're not going to do a, right. you're not going to be rich, but at 20 years old like you said $1,000 is a ton of money. So 4,000 a month, $1,000 a week. Not so bad. To play music. To play music. Yeah. You're not slaving away at at an accounting firm all day. Right. Yeah, it was great. I mean, now looking back, like, that was was great. That was living the dream. Yeah. You know, even more so than the the poker. Interesting. Yeah. So then what happened? You just decided, hey, I'm not, you became so consumed with the poker at that point where you just didn't even want to waste. If you were wasting an hour playing music, that was another hour you're missing out making a couple hundred bucks. Same thing, yeah. Mm. Because you just start to think of everything as numbers and expected value. That's a, t- a term poker players toss around at uh, EV, expected value. Like you, That's what your time is worth, what your cards are worth, what uh, your music is worth. And you start to see everything is transactional. So, yeah, same thing. Music was just time that I could be making money instead. Mm. Wow. And uh, so that, that went on pretty well for a while though you know and uh, those like 700 dollars paydays started turning into 
uh, high four-figure and low five-figure paydays. And I was never really a, a tournament player. I think... Uh, You're talking like $10,000 payday. Yeah, r- routinely, routinely. Wow. Yeah, so I started playing uh, 10, 20, no limit and uh, 20, 40, no limit. And so the buy-in, the regular buy-in for that game is between like $2,000, $4,000. no limit. Yeah. Dude, that's insane, 2040 so no limit. It's it's kind of a big game. That's right? a big game. Yeah. You know, you go to Vegas, you can do a 1-2 game, a 1-3 game, a 2-5 game. Right. Those are kind of the, your standards. 5-10, you start pushing it a little bit. Right. And then you're going 2040. Yeah. And the 10-20 the no limit was the first no limit game I'd ever played in my life. But I just, they're talking about, you know, hey, now the thing that they play in tournaments, this no limit hold'em, they're starting to play in cash games, and you can make a bunch of, okay, I'll try it. You know? And you had success. Yeah, a lot of success, yeah, for at least a year. Yeah. You now, throughout the course, I want to make sure that people aren't misconstruing this. You had bad days, too, obviously. Sure, sure. I would say I won I, about 65 to 70% of the days were winning days. And that's all you need. Of course. Win yeah. more than you lose. Right, right. Win more than you lose. Yeah. So how much do you think you made that year, looking back? Do you remember? <laughs> Uh, let me think. The first year... Don't worry, the IRS isn't listening. So They always are. <laughs> um, the first year... Hey, let's do another cheers, brother. Hey. This is awesome. Good I know, to see this you. is good. good. To see this you. is delicious, I'm going too. down... This is the best. Yeah. I'm going down memory lane sitting here talking to you, so this is this is enjoyable for me. Yeah, thank, and thanks for having me on again, too. I appreciate it. You'll, you'll never get me to shut up about myself. No, I'm happy so. to do this. This is great. So um, so you, you made how much? I mean, just approximately. Sure, sure. Uh, the first year, I only made like, uh, now this is in the tail end of the first year, like 30,000, 40,000. And then the next years after that, uh, more like two hundred and fifty to 300,000. And then some years I made more than that. And some years I would make that and then I would lose it on other stuff. And I was, yeah, I, I would say like, I never cleared seven figures in a year ever. But uh, but multiple six figures was not out, not out of the norm by no, any stretch. No, and a lot of that was in a really rich two week period of like say Super Bowl weekend. Some a bunch of people come in, they're willing to play bigger. Uh, they they are one or two guys are losing a, a big chunk of the money, mm. and so you'll make like seventy five thousand in one weekend and. Jeez. Kind of just grind out making ten to twenty thousand over the next two months. It doesn't matter yeah. at that point. Yeah, sure. But but let me ask you because you say yeah, sure, because it it does matter still to the brain, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. You have the money now, right? You're okay. Right. If you wanted to just sit back for a while and just say, all right, now I'm going to go play some music. I'm going to go uh, travel a little. You could do whatever you want, right? You just made seventy five grand in one weekend, but. The brain says to itself, I can make another seventy-five grand next weekend. Right. So the $10,000 high is not such a high anymore. It's kind of, uh, uh, it's okay. It's fine. It's like uh, I increased uh, my bankroll by 2% or something. Right. You know? Like and it, next it, week I might lose 1%. So. Right. So it's almost meaningless. Those those wins that you first started with, when you would win ten grand and go, holy shit. Yeah. Almost become, you become numb to that. No, that's nothing. Completely numb. Completely numb. Completely numb. So you would win ten grand. Let's say let's say after that week you win ten grand, uh-huh. and what you would go home and then what would be the thoughts in your head? Uh, I better go 
uh, make hay while the sun shines, basically. Like, go back and make money while I still have the opportunity to. Now, in when I first started out in L.A., in the first year or so, I spent a lot. And I was really excited about these, you know, five-figure days and sure. stuff. But once I crossed, like, the eight-month threshold of considering myself like a pro poker player, it's all I want to do is go back and work and, and make more. And I just... I. Because I kind of had the sense, although even looking back, I didn't appreciate it as much at the time. I kind of had the sense that, like, this could be gone at any time. The casinos can close down. I mean, a lot of people played exclusively online. All the, It all closed down. All their money got frozen. Um, that was the poker stars, those different companies that all just, all the, one night, everyone was making money. The next day, the whole thing was gone. Right. froze. Right. Yeah. Not only finished, their accounts frozen. Correct. You yeah. couldn't do a thing about it. Right. That was brutal. Yeah. Uh, that was a dark... When, what, what years were those? Uh, there were a couple times that it happened, but I think Black Friday... The one that they call Black Friday really was uh, in 2011. I think it was 2011 or 2010. Mm. Okay, so 2010, 2011, which is close to the time when you um, actually... You were back in Cleveland from 07 to 2010. Mm-hmm. So you're out in L.A., you're doing this. You made a comment though before before we move forward. You made a comment that there were guys that would come out and would just be throwing money around at Super mm-hmm. Bowl weekend. These were guys that these are the types of whale type guys that right. don't really know how to play, but they want to feel like they're in the circle. Talk. What's what's that whole thing about? Right. So you, you so you're kind of familiar with that term whale, Absolutely. right? I figure most people are. Yeah. yeah. It's it's basically somebody who has a ton of money to lose and and doesn't care if they do right well i mean maybe they do in the long run right right but, but in front of everyone else when they put down a couple hundred grand in one sitting it's they love it they don't yeah they love it yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. a high no matter what happens right they like being king is swearing a lot on absolutely pocket. all right they like they uh, I, I generally try not to swear too much but they like being king shit there right mm. you know you've got especially in vegas you've got a bunch of pretty girls walking around uh, the masseuses walking around the table and to be able to just sit there like you don't give a shit with $200,000 in chips on the table like looking around does anybody see this hey look I'm playing like I don't give a shit man it, it's an ego it's a major yeah. ego trip for these guys yeah e- even for me even for me when I would have a big day and win a bunch and have a bunch on the table I'm still like hey just so everybody knows like I'm, I got six figures on the table. Is that, anyone taking pictures of this shit? Because yeah. I've got a hundred grand right in front of me here. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's an, it's it, it gets into your it gets into the psyche. Yeah. Like you want to have the biggest brass in the room. Yes. And you start thinking also, I want to play the biggest game in the room. Like if I'm not the best, I'm the best player. So I should be playing the biggest game. It doesn't matter how much money I have. Like I'm just uh, I'm better than everybody else. So, but when, when do you get to that? When do you get to that mindset, Doug? When you say I'm the best player in this room, how, when does that occur? How does that happen? That is a really good question. So, there's kind of like a free market aspect to it, where generally the game will go all night until each per- and each person only quits once they think they can't beat anybody else at the table. Right? I mean that that. Each person only quits when they think that they can't beat anyone else. At the table, right. Like, That's when they're like, okay, I've had enough here. It's it's cold. I'm getting run over. 
it's time to go. Right. Yeah. There's no there's no fish. There's no whales left, and these players are probably better than I am, and so there's no reason for me to stay here anymore. Okay. So enough nights roll around where now this is not the point of poker at all i want you know anybody who's considering professional poker or something like that not to think about it like this but when you're the last person there and if nobody will start a game with you nobody will play you heads up it's it's kind of a stupid cliche like hey let's play heads up let's see who's the best you know but when nobody will play against you you start to think like maybe i'm the best one here Mm. you know and if I'm the best, then I should be playing the biggest. And uh, if these guys start a bigger game and I don't play in it, what does it say about me? Like, do I look weak? And, and when you're re-raising guys, when you have essentially nothing, and the, and these guys and they're sitting there thinking and they fold, that's only feeding that fuel. That's that's fueling that ego even more. Like, I just pushed this guy out. I have all the chips, right? I mean, when, there's got to sure. be psych- psychological victories that are building on top of each other, like building blocks. Sure. In the way that, like, the first time you do something for $5,000 that you don't really care about, generally in the game, like, whoever plays the best wins and also whoever cares the least wins. Because there, there's points when I don't care how much money you have, if you're going to try to bluff somebody for $50,000, $100,000, you got to have a part of you that's like not quite right, right? I mean, you, you just <laughs> exactly. don't give a shit about money. Correct. You know, but and you're the most dangerous person that. Yes. So that's where yes. you're getting to. Yes, that's kind of like, uh, yeah. You want to look around and like, just so everybody knows, like I don't give a fuck. I can do anything. I'm capable of anything at any time. And you're putting such pressure on these guys then to have almost the perfect hand, because otherwise, they're they're the, most people don't have that mindset. Like, they've got to have a super fucking strong hand. Right, right. For them to have the balls to match you at another $20,000 raise or whatever it is. Right. And generally, the way that recreational players will play is to think that. Like, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to lose all my money with one pair or two pair. Or, right. Uh, there was actually a famous story of a guy who acted real rich, carried like 100000 bought into every game with $100,000 all the time. And somebody got him to fold aces face up before the flop. So he's got the best possible hand. I saw that on TV once. What did it happen on, t- on yeah, TV? Yeah, I saw too? that once yeah. on TV. Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't believe it. The guy folded pocket aces before the flop. Oh, was it uh, was it tournament or was it recent? It was like on one. Of, it was on TV. It was no. I, this goes back about ten years ago. Oh, okay, okay. But it was okay. one of those TV poker, uh, just one of the high stakes games around one table. Right. It was like eight guys in a game, and the guy folded pocket aces. I, I was I was sick. That's so. I nice. was like, that's you shouldn't be at the table. Of course, exactly. Should, I mean, even the guy who had the best hand, there wasn't even a flop yet. Yeah, yeah. You you that's absolutely crazy. You, you should not have, be playing. Right. You yeah. have to if you're sitting at the table. Whatever you have in front of you needs to go in. If someone pushes you in, all in. You have the best possible. You hand. You have the best hand. Yeah. It was nuts. I mean, what else could you look hope for out of the game? It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it happens. It does happen. People, oh, I would never do that. It doesn't. I would just like borrow the money or something. But yeah, people do it. Mm. They do it. So, so you're sitting there. You get to the point where I'm the best in the room. Those whales come through. Is it easy to know when you have like? I know the answer, but it's easy to know when you have a whale sitting there in front of you who's like the easiest money in the world. And if so, how how can you tell? Usually, yes. Um, 
used to you could usually tell by like age range you also start to get the you, you start to know the regulars who play in the room the people who are pros people who uh bet the way that people bet certain amounts like if you're playing 10 20 no limit hold them everyone opens the the first raise is always to like 40 or 50 or 60 or maybe 80 and you get somebody somebody who comes out there and like in the movies raises to 500 in 10 20 no limit and you're thinking oh okay like basically we got a, a live one here here we go yeah mm. and, yeah and I, if you're sitting at the you're sitting at the table with guys that you know from being in the circles do you like see some familiar faces at this point like hey i know this guy next to me i know this guy across in the high in in like 510 no limit and 1020 no limit plus you know usually 75 percent. i was gonna say people. you have to because it's such a small group that are playing those stakes right yeah yeah and then yeah. you get this new guy who comes in there yeah and is playing like uh, like he was just watching molly's game or something exactly and and you're like here here he is yeah you're just, and you think how can this happen keep happening again and again but yeah it does Wow. And a lot of those people think that they're getting cheated, like because everybody knows each other at the table. Right. But you don't have to. The, nobody has to cheat. The, the player's just so bad. That, right. You know. But there is cheating going on, which we're going to get to. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is the, the dark side of this whole thing. Right. So, um, all right. So we'll get back to some of this stuff, but I want to just uh, go through your timeline. So in 2007 to 2010, you're back here in Cleveland because you hit a burnout after a few years. Yeah, that's a good description. And it was just, what, no sleep? You couldn't get poker off your mind? Did you lose it all? What what, what brought you back here? I lost a lot. I'd spent a lot. When um, you say you were spending, too, on other things, was it was it drugs? Was it booze? Was it all of the above? Was you know it, my parents listen to this? I got to tell well, my parents you, I yeah, bought you, drugs. Yeah. No, I'll tell the truth. No, 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 no problem. Well, I'm, I'm lucky because I wasn't spending it on drugs, I guess. Good. So I can tell you the truth. Um, man, stupid stuff. Uh, food? Tell you... Eating out, that's one of the worst expenses that I used to incur. You never cooked at home. Oh, my God. Cooked at home? I never... It's a foreign uh, foreign phrase. Yeah. Your cupboards were bare. Yeah, I would say something like that. Mm. That's a that's a f- other funny thing about like uh, poker players and me, too. Y- even when I was near my peak uh, of earning and, uh, and, and even having a bunch of money on hand... I had one folding chair, yeah. a TV, a mattress, and that's it. You talk about cupboards bare. Think about that. The guy wins $75,000 in one sitting, yeah. and you go to your apartment, you look like you were homeless. Yes, yeah. And that's how a lot of these these gambling people are, is that's, what you're saying. That's how I was. That's the lifestyle. I remember seeing the Daniel here, I remember seeing the Daniel thank Negranu. Uh, no, thank you. I remember seeing the Dan Negreanu uh, specials with like Phil Ivey and these guys, and they're showing them their their little condos and apartments, and I'm like, Daniel Negreanu's mom's cooking him food. Mm-hmm. He's not doing shit. Uh-huh. He's not. He's eating out. He's yeah. doing what you did. It's it's the same thing but across the board. If somebody's mom were cooking them food, then I would believe that they were they were rich actually, because that means they can. Well, right. Like, he yeah. actually had more than you did, but yeah. As fast as you have it, as that's as fast as it can go. Especially when I mean, think about uh, L.A. How much food Ugh. costs? What you can spend money on? It's insane. Real estate value? You think I invested in anything worthwhile? No. I bought sushi not. like every night, so that I could sit next to like Avril Lavigne and Cameron Diaz because I was, and those are not like example. Those are actual stories. Right. <laughs> That's what we did, you know. And uh, one actually one. Do you know Chateau Marmont? 
It's on Sunset. That it's, sounds super familiar. I feel like I've been there before. Okay. It's, yeah, I have. It might be... Uh, it's it's one of the places they'll mention like in movies, too, if yeah. they say where somebody went to spend a bunch of... waste a bunch of money on right. food, basically. Right. And, yeah, one night we did that. Uh, I had like my first five-figure uh, day in L.A. We went there, ordered like $1,400 worth of food, got super drunk. And we're lucky enough, Cameron Diaz, literally, literally Cameron Diaz picked up the check for us. Just happened to be sitting outside with us and picked up the check. Wow, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So I would have gone broke way sooner if it weren't for Cameron Diaz. (laughs) There's something about that, Mary, I'll tell you. I know. That's right. So, all right, you come back home. You're back in Cleveland. I'm sure you're like, this is fucking brutal all of a sudden. You just just lived five wild years. Yeah. You're now in your mid-20s, plus or minus. You're back here in Cleveland for a couple years, and you're probably miserable. Yeah. Were you depressed? Yeah, I would would say so. I I think I even started, like, uh, an antidepressant at that time, too. Okay. Came back. um, Because I I don't imagine how someone in your position that lived like that for five years mm -hmm. could come back to Cleveland, Ohio, Mm -hmm. and not be depressed. I mean, it, it, it to me, unless you, you know, were making the, some a ridiculous amount of money and you found this career that you were in love with, you, unless you were one out of a million or ten million, mm-hmm. whatever the number is, how can you not be? Right. Your brain was stimulated and fueled with with these highs and this rush and and, and the lifestyle and the bright lights and the booze and the girls and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And now you're back here in Cleveland. Yeah, I you know I thought I was the coolest person everywhere I went, you know, and now I'm back. In my parents' basement, literally in my parents' basement. You're back in right? your parents' basement. Ooh. Yeah. So, dude, talk about how did you handle that? I mean, that's you know, this podcast we focus on this. Yeah, I really want to know how you were able to talk about some of those dark nights. Good, yeah, good question. So it's like I knew that I had to reset because it's really hard from going to play, even just generically from playing for tens of thousands. To thinking like I got to play for hundreds or even tens again, you know. So I came back home and when you say hundreds, you're like a hundred dollars or ten dollars. You're talking exactly. About. Okay. Yeah, playing uh, ten cent, twenty cent, no limit, as opposed to and you're playing online probably because there was probably nothing here to. There right. was no gambling yet. Right. In Cleveland. Right. Exactly. Okay. So I was trying to run it up on like full tilt or. Uh, Poker stars or whatever was available at the time, and fortunately, I'm in my basement just playing these, lo- you know, these low stakes games, because I wonder if I had to go in the casino and go and play like a smaller game at that age in the situation that I was. I don't know if I could have handled it. Like shame is like a really powerful motivator, Absolutely. right? Yeah, I mean. And you just got, you know, all your peers looking at you like, oh, shit, like, I thought this guy was something, and he's... he's Right, what nothing. is this? He's playing this little tiny game now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the so the Dark Knights, um, not the movie, but the, the, the Dark Knights in my parents' basement. Um, I started trying to focus on music more, and uh, to answer your question before, did I go broke? Not exactly, but pretty much. Mm. Com- in comparison to where I was, yes. Um, I, I drank a fair amount, like not to mask the depression or fix the depression, but just for something to do. To something to do and to somewhat escape 
the reality that you were living in. Right. It might not have been to black out or to be. Uh, it was. It was some kind of th- a therapy for you. Yeah. Well, you just want to feel good. You right? just want to feel something That's... besides this. What is going on with my life? Yeah. Have Have you ever seen uh, Monsters Ball? With, yeah, uh, yeah, Halle yeah, Berry. Yeah, make me feel good. Yes, yeah. that's exactly it. You're just like, my life is like, I just want to feel good about something. That's, that, that's a wild scene, by the way. Yeah, I know it is, right? <laughs> Dude, that was Halle Berry in her prime. Back too. in the day, Jesus. You know, we were on whatever. We didn't have the streaming stuff that the kids yeah. have nowadays. Dude, that was wild. That's I know. A great scene. Um, but yeah, that's the way you were feeling. I just want to feel good. Yeah, yeah, and trying to figure out what the hell to do with my life trying to think do i have to get a real job what do i do can i at least do music and i remember being offered uh, some music gigs for you know you pay a uh, hundred bucks to play uh, an hour somewhere now currently i would be like that's great i get paid a hundred bucks and i get to play music that's great but back then i was like well if i take that and I'm, I'm playing at uh, the church or the funeral or the wedding or something. It's like, I'm not a rock. I thought I was a rock star. What am I doing here? Wow. Now, now, now looking back, I know, like, those are great things to do. But, yeah, I was, I, I just felt I was defeated. Were you, were you defeated. suicidal? No. No, I've, n- I've never been suicidal in my life. Um, I was... I'm trying to think of, of how to describe it. I, I, I was like more nihilistic. Like my ego still wouldn't let me suffer kind of what had happened. I was like, all right, well, if I screwed up my life, then everybody else is wrong because mm. I can't be wrong, right? I mean, then... Did you go talk to anybody? Did you talk to a psychologist or anything? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did it help? Mm, not exactly. Uh, some were better than others. Yeah. Uh, I I remember thinking the uh, Zoloft helped at the time. Although, and I don't want to give medical advice on the show or anything, but I I don't su- suggest Zoloft for anybody. But it may have saved me at that point in my life. You know, because I was uh, I was pretty down. I was sure. Pretty down. Sure. Yeah. So you had some dark nights, but you fought through it, and then. You go out to Louisville, you try out for American Idol, which is <laughs> that's Funny, probably right? a whole separate story. You yeah. didn't you didn't make it. And then and then uh and you ended up going to a casino that weekend in Louisville, mm-hmm. you win some money, you go, mm-hmm. I got the itch, I'm going back to Vegas. I'm gonna move out to Vegas this time. Right. So I'd finally, finally and if anybody who has ever tried poker for a living is on a pedestal and gets knocked down, you gotta find a way to recalibrate where you're just you know, obviously you play the best you can every single day and every single hand, but when you've got a million and you fall below a million, now you're like, oh, I got to get back to a million, you know? And if you have a hundred thousand and you fall below that, you're like, I got to get back to, to a hundred thousand. Did you have a million dollars in cash at one point? Or are you close to no, it? No, I never had a million dollars in, million cash in cash on, on me. No, okay. no, um, no, uh, I, I've made made more than a million. Right. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest game you ever play? Well, it depends how. What's the biggest? What's the most amount of money you've spent at a table in one sitting? Spent like yeah. like one or bought in with or spent. Let's go with the spent first. 
bought in and then continued buying. What's the most you've ever? What's the most? I guess what's the most you've ever lost in one sitting? Yeah, that's the best. That's the question to to figure out. Uh, yeah, how, mu- how much money <laughs> can hurt smiling, you? And he's smiling. He's going, "Oh shit, yeah, what I'm is trying, it?" I'm trying. I'm. You saw I got uncomfortable yeah, in my seat. I'm little, shifting hey, around. Have a sip. It's okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's why we're drinking this I'm, good stuff. I'm back so. to the dark nights. Um, I think I'll tell I'll tell you what it probably was in a funny story mm-hmm. was I was playing a huge game and we'll talk about the, this hopefully in a little bit with the the biggest whale I've ever played with okay. biggest whale I've ever played. Now I say that in rel- terms relative to stakes because there, I'm sure there are people who have lost more, but you know, like in 10, 20, no limit, your average loss is going to be maybe five to $10,000. Okay. This was a person who was losing a million plus at 1020 no limit mm. right that's very difficult to do that is so big biggest uh whale situation i've ever been in with now, i happen to be playing in this game with uh the woman uh whom i would eventually live with and have a child with mm, interesting right? is that you guys met on this poker scene is that where it all that's where we met we didn't meet on that day this right. is uh but you guys are now at the same table. You guys got to know each other, and you're, pl- you're playing at the same. Okay. Right, and we're not we're not e- actually together at this point, right. which is important to note because this is this is the day I lost the most money I think in my life. Um, Maybe that's why she liked you. She felt bad for you that day. She, <laughs> you know what I did afterward? I got her. Uh, I got her a congratulations card, and I gave it to her. Yeah. That's a congratulations. Did she, on your did she big take win. your Did she take your money? Of course. She was the one that took it. Yeah. Yeah. God damn, dude. That's yeah. hilarious. Anyway, so go ahead. So it just happens to be one of those situations where, like, you never, at least me personally, like, I very rarely have more than 20000 on the table, usually between five and twenty. And you know most people listening to this right now are like, <gasps> oh, most yeah. people don't even have 20000 Let's call it what it is. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Come on. Most people in this country don't have that kind of money. That's true. Especially to just go gamble with. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I guess I guess it's, you get numb to it though. See, even still, you're still the the mindset's different. Exactly. Yeah, it's the mindset's exactly different. Like so you you're said. sitting there and you're playing, and this is there's whales, there's this, there's your ex uh, uh, partner, my my future ex. Yeah, yeah, your future ex. And how much do you end up losing that night? I lost like fifty thousand to her in one hand, and I think I lost like. 70 in that night 70,000 yeah in a few hours worth of yeah eight hours eight nine hours, hours. Okay. and it, it just no, that's not it. bad just nine thousand an hour no big deal yeah yeah remember how we were talking about how uh time spent sleeping is wasted money yeah i see i could have saved nine thousand dollars by sleeping that night right go. nine thousand dollars an hour they uh crazy hand and happened to be while the the guy was up smoking taking a smoke break and we just Two huge hands, like top full house against quads, and mm. it was just going in. And it's just like, how often do you have fifty thousand in front of you Can when you're pull playing? Pull that 10? a little closer, please. Yeah. How, it's like, how often do you have fifty thousand in front of you when you're playing ten twenty no limit? Yeah, crossfire. So when you get those bad beats, like you just mentioned, actually, yeah, it is so hard yeah. for someone to not go on tilt. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure you experience. We all do. Is there something, a trick of all these times that you've played and, and have gotten that bad beat? What is a, a low hanging fruit kind of mental game that you can play with yourself to say, 
do not tilt because mm-hmm. that's what most people struggle with. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting at a table with a guy in Vegas. He loses what you know five hundred thousand dollars, and you know now he's on tilt. Now he's on t- and now he's and then two minutes later he's done. Yeah, because he's playing yeah. every. What 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 kind of is, is there any advice you have for people that do that? I think first thing is recognize. I mean, this sounds like the twelve steps, right? But recognize that you you can go on tilt. So many people. Oh, I don't tilt. Yeah, right, dude. <laughs> Just I, like you don't drink too much, I, right? Yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, I've the, got it under control. It's the same thing. I don't have a gambling problem. Right. I have a gambling solution. Uh, yeah, yeah the, all this. Uh, so recognize that it can happen, and I would say. I try to apply this to everything in life is instead of trying to focus on keeping score, which is hard because no matter what anybody says, poker is a game that is kept score by money, not who plays good, not who is the most fame kept score by money, win money, lose money. That's it. Um, is to try to just play the best you can every single second. Now, sometimes that just means folding, you know, um, but that, that's the mentality that I try to keep, and I try to keep myself Play honest. Play the best you can. Yeah. Keep that in your forefront. Right. And you just playing, you know, six, nine offsuit on your next hand because you think you're going to hit five, seven, eight on the flop. Right. Is real stupid. Right. It, yeah, I can't, I can't. Whatever, just you, you know I can't I mean. think of, an, uh, of a spot to play six, nine off. Yeah, but yes. But, but tilted people can. Sure. You want to play every hand. You're just like. Especially when people get, uh, I think I get OCD about it too. Like if you got uh, 9,900 when you just had 10,000, you know, it's just, oh, I'll just, I'll just get that 100 back. Just for that mental to say, I've got 10. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people go to like Baccarat or Blackjack or something just to try to get like, oh, I want the 100, so I'll be square. Really? And then, yeah. So it's all all mental. Oh, yeah. Because 9,900 versus 10,000 does it no difference to your lifestyle. Nothing. If you get up and walk away with 9,900 or you walk away with 10,000, you have no difference in life. That's right. It's it's incredible. And you could even, there's probably a chip in your pocket you forgot about most of the time, it's in, too. It's incredible. Don't spend an extra $100 on dinner. Go go get your... Right, right. There you go. How's you that know? for a reframe? That's yeah. a good That's a good mental reframe, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Save it somewhere else. Don't make it. Save it. So you lost around seventy thousand was was your biggest um, yeah in, in that in that regards. So all right, you end up going out to Vegas. This is two thousand ten, two thousand twelve. Right. You're grinding it out. You're playing poker up to eighteen hours in some days. Eighteen yeah. hours. Yeah. So I moved out when I I drove to Vegas. Just drove across the country. Took some uh, a friend. But you must have been so excited to get out of your parents' basement. There had to be something. That's a good question. Yeah, kind of, uh, what happened was I scared went, as shit too. No, you not at all. Scared. Yeah, because I think I'm just like I'm too stupid or something or about that part of life. Okay, I just I don't have that 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 gene in me to to be like oh shit I'm doing something stupid. Okay. Um. Yeah, I drove across the country and I think it helped that when I went to the American Idol thing that I happened to turn like. I took $500 out of the ATM, which was a lot of money for me at that time. Win $5,000, i am like, oh, you know, I, you feel refreshed, right? You're like, I haven't felt this feeling in three years. Yeah, that's what it yeah. was. That's what it is. You're like, I'm alive again. Yeah, and I'm, I, control, I control my own destiny, mm. right? I can go work. I can make money whenever I want, and I can have fun doing it. So, yeah, drove across the country. And the funny thing was that over the first few months, 
I hadn't. You remember I said that I wasn't that good at poker, but it, in LA, I hadn't improved, so I still sucked. <laughs> so I was still, I was playing losing poker. I'm, I think, now maybe I won a little bit, but I was again like down to brass tacks, down to bare bones, and I decide I adopted that mentality of you know what I'm just gonna play every hand as hard as I possibly can. I've been playing like pretty tight and. I don't want to risk too much. I don't want to expose myself. And when I like flip that switch, that mentality, all of a sudden, you know, I made uh, like $5,000 that month. Then I made 10,000 the next, then I made 30,000 the next. And uh, of course I purposely structured it. So I had no friends out there. You talk about like playing 16 to 18 hours a night. I would go, I remember I'd watch the office on Netflix when I would go home. And then I would just, like, what else is there to do? i go back to the casino, you know? Wow. Yeah. What casinos did you play at? I started at the Wynn, mostly. Uh, and then Aria and Bellagio yeah. a lot, yeah. So you're back, and you're grinding. Mm-hmm. And then I want to get to this story in 2012 where you say you had this unique opportunity. You made approximately $200,000 right. in one weekend. Yeah. What yeah. was that? Probably even like in 48 hours more. Okay. So uh, the kind of uh, the whale I mentioned, he was uh, he shows up at uh, Bellagio one night, and I had a friend who was a dealer at one of the casinos. Anyway, she calls. She says, "I won't use the guy's name, but they say this guy's here. Come down, try to get in the game." Your friend, who's the dealer at the table? Uh, she was yeah. It was, a, it was a girl. And I know she, that they rotate dealers, but she was one of the dealers that night at the table. Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. Yeah, she works for, uh, yeah, she was a poker dealer. Mm-hmm. And she... And she actually calls you. Oh, yeah. Which to me, right off the rip, that to me seems like a violation of their fiduciary. Whatever their duty is as right. a dealer, right. they just violated that duty. I get it. Yeah. It's funny that you say it that way because I, it makes sense. But it's... It's real. It's happening. Oh, it's way more than that. Okay. I mean, well, I want to get into some of that. I've had situations where the floor person at Bellagio is calling me and saying, hey, Johnny's here. You know, I'm, right. I'm making up a name. Johnny's here. He seems drunk. He wants to play 400, 800. You know, do you want to come down and play? <laughs> sure, I'll come down. He's calling you to say Johnny. And, and what is he getting in return for him calling you to tell you that? Usually. He'll uh, take care of him. 100, yeah, 100 bucks or, you know, depending just on the situation. Nothing yeah. crazy. Sure. Just, just a little tip. Thanks yeah. for calling. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's not. So these whales will walk into places thinking that nobody, and and the the casino host, the mm-hmm. dealers, the people that are working will call their friends that they know are poker players and say, "Hey, this is your chance to come down to the table, and make some money." Right. Wow. That's and that's you're looking at me like, yeah, that's just standard protocol. That's nothing. That's yeah. That's most of the time, and I don't know how often the whale or the recreational player knows it, but. Pretty much almost everyone at the table and often in the room is there because of that guy, <laughs> you right. know? He doesn't know it is. Yeah. Usually, he, probably. Usually not, yeah. He probably knows, like, oh, you know. Well, I, he, no, in his mind, I've got the money. People want to flock around and mm-hmm. see what I've got to show off. He doesn't realize we're all here to just take it. Right. We're here because you're the biggest sucker in the world. Right. Mm. Yeah, of course. And so you go down there. She calls you. You yeah. go down. Yeah, and at this point, I've got like 
fifty or sixty thousand dollars to my name, and he's sitting with ten thousand. So I'm, I'm like, I better buy in ten thousand because he could lose it all on one hand. Now that's not a good way to think. I don't suggest that method of bankroll management for anybody. But uh, long story short, we're playing ten twenty no limit with him, and he loses like that first 10,000 then like the, the 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 leak starts to get bigger you know you talk about somebody going on tilt right this is like somebody who's some of the insults that this guy made are just absolutely bizarre but he, anyway he loses uh 10,000 then 50,000 so he loses 10 and then he yeah. goes I'm going to buy back in yeah and he next time he he drops 50 on his next buy something like that yes wow yeah then he says I want to play tomorrow and I want to play with the same people. Now, why someone would say that, I have no idea. But a lot of the people who were the pro players in that room thought that we cornered him like into playing with the same people every time. But he said, I want to play with all the same people. Okay. Next day. He to comes. me, the only thing that means is he wants to try to get you guys back for beating him. That's probably That's what all it I is. could think of. See, okay. I don't even think of it that way. Right. Because I, yeah. In his mind, he goes, I want this group again because I'm going to get you guys revenge, basically. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, so he comes back the next day. I think that night I won like 50000 And he comes back the next day. He seems pretty normal and he's okay. Then all of a sudden the the the, the hinges start to come off again. He loses <laughs> 10000 He loses 20000 He loses fifty. And I knew that he was a big, this was a big spot, you know. And he goes off to the pit. Now he gets markers. We're like, from the casino he's not really supposed to bring these to poker he comes back with two stacks of 25k chips with that's a million dollars and he puts 700 on the table loses it and then he puts the remaining 300 on the table loses it Jeez. yeah and by the end of that day i had won about 220 i think 220,000. in basically two sittings yeah yeah, and like for no reason. I mean, this is not like it's not like we're playing 500 1000 no limit. Right. This is 1020 no limit where the guy is just like blind raising. 1020 no limit and you walked away with over $200,000. Yeah, yeah. That's in less than 48 hours. Yes. I mean, really when you think about it, it's just two back-to-back days. It's probably within 30 hours or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he and he he came back the next night too and Man, he, you could tell he was like losing it. There was some kind of rumor that he was doing a lot of cocaine <laughs> during the time, which might be true. Um, and he said something, he, he would always insult the dealers. He said something to one dealer like, uh, buddy, you're so ugly, you look like the ace of spades. And then he said to one dealer, who was a woman, I hate all you dealers. You come in with your dirty hands. I want to buy you all up and put you in a prison so I can come in and make fun of how ugly you are every day. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's like a really nasty thing to say. And the dealer, honestly, she was she was not that good looking. But <laughs> the best part is she starts to cry. Okay? Now, listen, he could have insulted her and said, you look like the Jack of Diamonds. I know. <laughs> like Ace of Spades right. is so bad. But, you know. Yeah, maybe that's a compliment. Right. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, she starts to cry. And then he, all of a sudden he goes, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I never meant to make anyone cry. And I'm thinking, 
well, you just said like the nastiest thing you can say to somebody. Mm. And then he goes, I'm done. I quit. He How t- much had he lost at this point? About 1.3, 1.3 million in cash. Yeah. Which is like making 2.5, 2.8 million in cash. You know, if you're in, in a traditional setting, to make that kind of money right. in, in corporate worlds, you're, you know, taxes, you got to oh. make, to have 1.3 million in cash, you got to make like two and a half million in cash, uh, two and a half right, million in right, salary. Right. Yeah, it's all cash. Right. You just put it in your pocket. Yeah. I mean, I pay taxes and everything, but right. yeah. But it's cash. Yes. So that 1.3 million in cash in, yeah. in two sittings. Yeah. Two, yeah. Two to two, three two sittings. Two to three, yeah. And wow. the, he came back again. He lost another like seven million. Seven but, million. Yeah. Uh, in now, is, this, is this one of the is this one of the guys who, t- who took his life? I honestly don't know if he's alive or not. Okay. Um, but that is a very common thing. So this is the dark side, right? And we kind of touched on it with uh, people calling up their friends to come and play. Hey, this guy's here. He's losing a bunch of money. But what people started figuring out was. If the goal of poker is to play against people who are worse than you, you can either improve your skill set, right? Or you can find people who suck that are willing to play. And what people started doing was what the casinos do. They make friends with somebody, you know, hey, when he goes out on a smoke break, hey, uh, you know, I'll just keep using Johnny. But hey, Johnny, uh why don't we play tomorrow? I'll give you back 10%. And I got a really nice group of guys and you got a better chance of winning. These are all the pros and they, they collude, they work together. They go off and play with him. Anyway, long story short is what will happen eventually is once these whales run out of money, all these poker players are not their friends anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously they never were, but the, the whales didn't necessarily know that. So it's like Molly, I go back to Molly's game. Yeah, what 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 happened in in that? Did the stuff like that happen in there? Yeah, where the guys would they thought they were everyone's friend, right? And no, you're just you're just the guy that we take money from, right? And then once you have nothing left, it's you know these guys they do they they're done they they jump off the uh, the fortieth story of the hotel or whatever it is, and it's no joke. Right. There there was one guy, he didn't lose as, quite as much as this uh, gentleman, but uh, am I allowed to tell the the story? Yeah, okay. please do. Okay. So uh, and, and here, the thing here's the thing we got about ten to fifteen minutes. Sorry, yeah. No, be, I, I wish I had more time, but we will. I, maybe we'll do another one. Sure. But we have t- about ten to fifteen minutes. But yes, please tell the story. So, very common thing is once these people realize they've been used or just losing money in general, even to your friends, not that freaking fun anyway. But uh, this was this was the goriest. This is one of the sickest ones that I heard. Was one guy was found having he committed suicide with a butter knife in his hotel room yeah and this was a guy that all the poker players knew every day hey how's it going you know come play over play with us and oh you're so funny we laugh at all your jokes and apparently he was in miles of debt now he had a family too Mm. i mean that's like committed suicide with the butter knife like like stabbing himself with with a a that's, Dull knife. That's that's what I that's what I was told. No, I mean, what 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 the, the, to me that these these guys that are playing like this mm-hmm. that are just it's almost like there's something there's got to be a, a um, kind of disease where you just don't feel like you deserve money, and I assume that there's a lot of that going on in this world because you have millions, 
you're 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 pretty good and you don't want you you either just you don't feel like you deserve it because mm. i'm back day after day after day and i'm losing i'm losing i'm losing i'm hemorrhaging like dude chill out you've got money right like there's got to be something with at least some of these guys where they just don't feel and it's not just poker players there's a lot of wealthy people that don't feel that they deserve it they have to spend it they mm-hmm. have to have some kind of stimulant excitement get rid of it Get you think they're are they punishing themselves or they're like behaviorally conditioned both? I don't know, man. That would be a very interesting thing to really dig into. I Did think that there's definitely people that because when I see a guy that is able to put 1.3 million dollars away to everyone else's pockets in a matter of three days, to me that's somebody that truly doesn't feel like they deserve it. Yeah, or they are just going through some other crazy deep shit that they've never fixed from their childhood, from their adult life, from whatever traumas they've experienced. Mm. And they, as as bad as it feels to lose the money, it still feels better than dealing with whatever kind of demons they've never faced. Mm. So they're they're distracted. Mm-hmm. The distraction's worth bleeding the million dollars for the weekend. Yeah, I, that guy in particular, he used to say, it's funny that you bring it up, because he used to say something like, uh, I think he, he must have been Islamic, and you say, he would say, "Take it all from me, Allah, Allah. I don't deserve this money. Punish me, Allah." You know, I mean. There you go. At the table. There you go. At the table. Mm. And the best part is that all of us, we just sit there like, "Oh yeah, this is normal. Okay, let's do it." <laughs> right. Deal. No, nobody's it, smiling, yeah. but you guys are all laughing on the inside. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Like this guy's willing to divvy out a hundred thousand to everybody. So you know, right. whatever. So we all just shut our mouths, yeah. you know. And eventually, that guy. I mean, that got to be too much for me. That. Uh, because I, I always knew it was going on, but I didn't know, no. What do you mean that got to be too much for you? So, now I, I gave one example of the guy with the butter knife, right? But I had another friend who was a poker player, and he was another guy. Now, he was better at poker, but same kind of thing. People liked him because he would get drunk and lose a bunch of money. And he comes in and admits to me, he had been in a car accident. He comes in and admits to me. I'd wrap my car around a tree because I I just wanted to end it. Wow. Yeah. And I, I I remember saying he was kind of into music and I brought him a keyboard over. I'm like, hey, you know, let's get out of poker, get more into music. But eventually uh, the other poker players, just they, they wouldn't have it. You know, they're just like, this guy needs to come in and keep losing his money and that's it. And I had another friend who... I, I mean, I can rattle them off, and they, they almost get to just be like uh, almost like a number instead of a human. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking like in my head, I'm like, uh, okay, I know three ODs. Right. I know four that were purposeful ODs. Yeah. So, and you talk about not only are these people that are losing taking their lives in this dark world of poker, mm. but there's people that are feeling guilty mm-hmm. for what they've done to other people. Mm-hmm. And then they're taking their own lives. Right. Talk a little bit about that. What's that about? So that that that's a sentiment that, that would get to me too, is like you start to feel like, what have I done to deserve this money? And what you know, what purpose do I have in life? I'll say I'll say having a kid cures you of, of all of that real quick. So that's uh, you know, that's one good thing about kids. But um when I would get flush, and this is part of what happened in LA, I'd be like well, now what the hell do I do? I mean, I guess my kind of identity was getting rich off of other stupid people. 
uh, maybe I don't just like I'll just lose all this money, then I'll make it all back again. See if I can do it. You know, because you just you feel like you're not adding anything to the world. Mm. You're just exploiting people. And I'll tell you, for all these poker players who look, Daniel Coleman was one of the uh, higher profile ones who said that poker is just like this trap. And it Coleman or uh, Cormier? I mean, uh, uh, Negrano or uh, Coleman, Coleman? Daniel okay, Coleman. Okay. He's so yeah, yeah. Negrano is, you know, he's he's not too bad. Right. He's. But funny, you, you know, play with all these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny. Um, so Matisau, you know, yeah. Matisau. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, he wanted to do a podcast for a while, and we we hung out like on a daily basis for a while. And he's a nice guy. Nice guy. Mike the mouth. I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just got a lot of issues. You know, a lot of these people are genuinely nice guys. They're just stuck. They have only one skill. That's the other thing. Is you go from twenty to 50 and the only thing you're better at is playing cards you know it's like uh is it shawshank redemption where they just go out and they just they're not good at anything so they go back to prison you know right what else is there to do and um, then, but you're saying that even the success at times cripples you mentally and emotionally because you feel like i don't really deserve this kind of money yeah, I just took this guy. This this poor man lost. He had a wife. He had a kid. He had kids. Mm-hmm. He had a business, and now he has nothing. And I'm holding part of that. Right. And wow, it's just a matter of time. Some people they can do it for a long time. I did it for a long time too. I think you know I didn't really notice that I was doing. I just thought I was like, yeah, we all play a game and we. But you got you you were feeling uh, survivor's guilt or whatever yeah, you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good description. Yeah, and uh, yeah, man. Once I started to see people writing checks and saying like, "Oh, I got to go home and uh, you know talk to my family about this," I'm like, "Oh shit!" You know, we got, I got to do something else. I mean, I'd rather be collecting garbage. Wow. Yeah, it's it's. Bad. You truly felt that way. Oh yeah, for certain, for certain. Yeah. You felt that after all that time, you felt to yourself, "I would rather be just working as a garbage man." Yeah. And not robbing this man of his livelihood. Yeah. For certain. Wow. And I, I'm some a lot of people do kind of come around like that. But it's just like I don't I say people in the poker world see mistakes and inefficiencies and exploit them. And people in the real world see mistakes and inefficiencies and help fix them. And help, you know, people get better in their lives. And uh a lot of people have started to come around to this realization in poker, especially as it gets more cutthroat. Mm. Because eventually, you start it starts to be your friends that you're who is the worst player at the table, right? Uh. And then you're like, do we keep playing? I'm like my friend who I know he's got two kids and we just hung out yesterday. He's not playing. He's the worst player at this table. I think he's probably going to lose another twenty thousand tonight. Do I keep oh, playing geez. with my friend? I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know the answer to that question. That is a very interesting yeah. case study, especially yeah. from psycho- a psychological standpoint. I mean, yeah. That's really what we're talking about. Yeah. It's like, when what what's the game? Like, when does the game end? You know, mm. when the table breaks and we all go home, are we all friends? Or are we still playing each other? Like, I'm trying to get you to come back and play tomorrow because I saw that you don't play ace-jack offsuit that well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Has the game ended for you? 
I'll still play poker again in my life, I'm sure. The unfortunate thing is that I'll probably have to play poker to keep earning. Um, but in terms of the game outside the game or the game within the game and cultivating uh, this uh, group of, of bad players basically to play against you, that I want to be totally done with as, mm. mu- as much as I can. Although I don't even know if it's possible to be. You know, once you know that somebody's worse at poker than you and they're playing for real money. Why is that any different than the business that's competing against you that's not as good at business? Well, it, it might not be. But there's a chance, at least when you do business, that you can both, that there can be a positive sum outcome, right? Fair po- point. Poker is just money transfer back and forth. Yeah, fair point. And worse, some drops down the hole for the casino. Your competitor can still be winning, even though they might not win as much as you're winning. Right. In, in business. Right. Everyone's still okay. We're making livings. We're doing okay. In poker, it's it's a hundred or zero is basically what you're saying. Yeah. Eventually, over the course of time. And you're pretending. You're you're pretending that what you're selling is like a fair shake. Like, hey, we're all just gambling here and having fun. But you know, like these people are just bleeding money, and it's just a matter of time. Mm. This is fascinating stuff. I do want to come back. There's there's a lot more I want to talk to you about with this stuff from a psychological and get into some of that real. Mm-hmm introspective kind of uh, conversation next time uh, at, what, what do you do at any anywhere that you want people to go i don't know if you're doing anything if you're promoting anything you want to talk about anything online your book potential book anywhere people can find you on social what, what are you doing these days uh i'm on i'm on twitter at doug maverick although i haven't even been as, as much on that i thought about making more of a web presence before i came on here and i'll tell you this is another a whole other topic but Tough to be a vocal public anything when you have kids and you have to worry about how you look there. Mm-hmm. You have to worry how you look to the courts, and so um, yeah, you could if if you if you look up Doug Maverick, uh, people will find at me. Doug Doug Maverick. You'll, yeah, Twitter on, at on least. Twitter, and then you can go from there. Yeah, I'm gonna make a Substack. I it's funny. I had a whole bunch of stuff talking about how terrible poker was and then i got so much shit for it that i just took it all down well i think this is probably a good time to you know re-engage with that i think it is yeah i think no it is because yeah, about it yeah at doug maverick hey this is a fascinating stuff man i, I really appreciate it. i wish we had more time i've got another obligation tonight but um you're around these days. Oh yeah, you're around more, much more often. Let's do number two very soon. Oh, this really resonated with me, and I know it's going to resonate with the audience. Oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm happy to help. And don't drink all the scotch without me. <laughs> Thanks, brother. This yeah. was great. Thank you so much.